Weekend mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Weekend Mornings with Steve Oaken in the studio today, International News Week in Review. Steve, welcome. Great to have you back. Great to be back. Good. Let's talk about some U.S. politics. We've had uh, an interesting week in that we've seen some of the Democratic uh, potential contenders for 2020 now start to fade away. You know, this is, you know, Monday is Labor Day in the United States. That's the end of summer. That's really when the, the kickoff is to, mm. the, to the Democratic primaries or the Republican primaries um, uh, as well. And so now we've had this winnowing out phase. We're down probably to 10 uh, candidates. It's going to winnow faster after that. So right now, everybody's trying to position themselves as being the one who can beat Donald Trump, which is still what the Democrats want to do more than anything else. Yeah. Were you surprised to see, I think, uh, Hickenlooper and a, and a few of these other guys are the ones that, that seem to be more seem to be more likely to pull out than not. Yeah, well, and, 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 you know, again, there's kind of two lanes in the, in the Democratic primary right now. There's the, you could say, the more progressive lane, and then there is the moderate lane or the, the little bit more of the establishment lane. And so what happened is Joe Biden has really kind of taken up all the oxygen in, mm. in that moderate lane. And so everybody has been struggling to break through. Kamala Harris has done it a little bit, and Mayor Pete has done it a little bit. Better O'Rourke has failed fast. Everybody else has not been able to do it. And those who weren't able to do it, the moderates, as you mentioned, Gillibrand, senator from New York, Hickenlooper, former governor of of Colorado, Inslee, the governor of Washington, they all are now out. Um, And then on the progressive side, you're really down to three. I mean, you've kind of got, you know, uh, Warren, uh, Sanders, and, and Andrew Yang, and he'll drop out eventually as well. Yeah, so then that's going to leave us with what are your predictions? What, who do you think we're going to be left with? Let's say a month from now or two months from now. Well, I, I think we may wait a little bit. I mean, it'll it'll winnow winnow down until we hit you know the real the voting starts in in Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina. Yeah. And and you certainly, I think it'll certainly be Warren will will be the top of that progressive chart. And I think Sanders will stick around because that's what he does. Right? Mm. I mean, what else is he going to do? <laughs> uh, but but he it'll it'll be Warren on that one, and then it will be. Biden and maybe one or two others will, will, will stick around. And I think Harris is, is most likely to be one of those. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we'll see who, who, who comes up. Can Judge get his mojo back? He's kind of lost it a bit. Can O'Rourke come back? He's lost his mojo. Or can somebody come up like a moderate, a real moderate like Bullock, the, the governor of Montana, or Bennett, the mm-hmm. governor of Cal- Colorado? Doubtful. I mean, I think you're going to see Biden-Harris plus one versus Warren battling out once we get into into the winter, January, February, and into March. From a strategy perspective, I was thinking about this the other day, and I wanted to specifically ask you about this since you've seen so many campaigns. At what point do the candidates stop battling each other and start really going after their their opponent or what their perceived opponent would which would be the president right you know is it does it make more sense for Kenneth at this point to just say okay forget about the rest of the people I'm going to focus on my messages being different from uh, the president and being a contender against the president does well, that, that work well that's exactly what Biden's trying to do yeah. Biden is exactly trying to show that he's above all the other Democrats and and he's the front runner and he's going to go after Trump and the more he goes after Trump the more it looks like he's the front runner yeah um, now right now Biden is still very well liked in the party so if you're going to start attacking 
attacking Biden, um, you may drive his negatives down, but you're going to drive your own negatives down, too. Mm. So those candidates are all trying to let others. Right? Well, you know, if Harris is saying, well, let others attack Biden yeah. or, or Warren saying, let others attack Biden um, and, and see what happens, you know. You know, if you look at what Harris did, she got that bump on on attacking Biden on on, on busing um, and Biden's positions back in the in the 70s and, mm. and, and such. But then she came back to the pack because she hasn't been able to establish herself. She hasn't driven up her own positives. So it is very tough to do what you just said in a 10 person field, which is why everybody's hoping it winnows down, winnows down, winnows down. And then they'll be able to do exactly what you just said. Could anyone else who has not as been not as successful at doing it as Biden, could they start could they just start doing that as well and just sort of take that mantle, like, I'm, I'm running against the president. I'm not running against the rest of you. No, because they don't have Biden's credibility. Yeah. They don't have Biden's track record. Now, Biden's problem is that he's got two problems, though. He's old, which mm. Democrats typically do not, you know, nominate somebody in there. Well, never have nominated somebody as old as Joe Biden. And people like change. Joe Biden is not a change candidate. Joe right. Biden is the, the epitome of the Washington establishment candidate. So everybody is kind of thinking Biden's going to come down on his own. And history would say Biden's going to come down on his own. And then you want to be positioned uh, to take that spot. And that's Warren, mm. what Warren and Harris are wow. trying to do. Now, the Republicans all said that about Trump. Well, he's going to come down and we're just going to we'll be the, the anti-Trump. Didn't work for Ted Cruz. Didn't work for John Kasich. Didn't work for Rubio. Didn't work for Jeb. So let's see if the Democrats learn anything from the Republicans. Yeah, interesting. The president issued an ultimatum this week to corporate America. Get out of China. Look for other things to do. Bring your factories back home. And uh, and and said that he had, based on a uh, – based on a law that was enacted some time ago, that he has the power to force them out of China. Take us through that. First of all, um, you know, do you think he was serious? Secondly, do you think he's going to follow up on it? And third, what is corporate America going to do, especially the ones who have heavily invested in China already? You can't just walk out, can you? No, you can't walk out. And I, and I think if Donald Trump had said this two years ago, if he had said this early in his presidency, business would have taken it very seriously. Mm. Now he says so many things and he goes back and forth so many times. Businesses aren't going to be taking it seriously from a legal perspective, but they are concerned about being branded um, as anti-American uh, as a company. So you, you don't want to take on the president directly. Only one company's ever sued the U.S. government that I'm aware of recently, and that was FedEx, hmm. um, suing the U.S. government on the U.S. requirements of keeping Huawei out of the, the, the FedEx's system. Now, he doesn't have the legal authority to do it. First, he'd have to find that there's a national emergency. Um, I'd ask, well, if he's been president for two and a half years and nothing has changed in China, how come there's a national emergency today and there hasn't been for two and a half years? So he really doesn't have the legal authority to, to find the national emergency and then order companies out from that. So it, it, it really isn't a serious threat that businesses are taking. They are taking the threat that the tariffs are going to go on and stay on for a long time. And so how do you redistribute your supply chain if it's e even possible? You know, everybody keeps talking about Vietnam as being the big winner of the U.S.-China mm. trade war. Vietnam is, a, is, is at best a mid-sized, one single mid-sized Chinese province. You're not taking all of China and squeezing it into Vietnam. That's impossible. Right. So businesses are really trying to figure out what do you do? Can you set up some manufacturing in India, in Thailand, in Taiwan, in Mexico, in the U.S.? 
there, there really isn't all that much capacity. So businesses are going to have to work through how to stay in China for the foreseeable future. Uh, with Steve Oaken in the studio, the senior advisor at McClarty and Associates. And Steve, I read an op-ed uh, last week about how, how India will actually likely be one of the big winners because they do have capacity. They do have manufacturing set up. Uh, they, they could actually be a, uh, a hedge against manufacturing in China going forward. Is that still realistic, do you think, given, I mean, there are transport issues, there are, you know, logistics issues with, with India as well. Uh, could, they, could they come in and fill a void that, that China might not if U.S. companies pull out? I mean, not in, not in any realistic way anytime soon. Not only do they have so many infrastructure issues that they have to deal with, they have their own, you know, burdens when it comes to regulations, when it comes to taxes, when mm. it comes to, to exports. So, so India is a place you can go if you want to if you want to manufacture for the Indian domestic market. And you see companies doing that who say, well, we're going to put factories in India so that we can sell our iPhones or, you know, our, you know, your Google, you know, you know, Google Play or whatever it is that Google sells sure. in the Indian domestic market. So you are seeing manufacturing, a little bit of manufacturing in India for the Indian domestic market. It is not going to be ever or certainly ever meaning in the next five years, what China is, which is the global factory for the world. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Steve Oaken, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much. Uh, Senior Advisor McClarty Associates, uh, our international news we can review. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Glenn. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.